Welcome back to our High Five, where we're gonna highlight five awesome things that are happening in the life of our church. So let's jump into it. Up at number five, last Friday, our Manchester outpost was filled with friendship, fun, and even ice cream sundaes for the annual Open Roof Talent Show. Open Roof is our dedicated small group for families of individuals with disabilities. Every month, Open Roof provides a meeting place for parents and caregivers to fellowship and for their loved ones to enjoy singing, games, crafts, a special Bible message, and a million smiles. High five Open Roof to more times like this. Up at number four, Easter is quickly approaching and we're so excited to celebrate with you and all of our ones. You can join us online or join us in person at one of our outposts. All of our service times are on our website, so head to church.one slash Easter to learn more about Easter weekend at One Church. This high five goes out to you. Let's keep praying for one and discovering ways to share his love this Easter. Here at number three, if you haven't already heard, Rooted Groups have begun learning and growing in what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Way to go, you guys. This high five goes out to you. Here's to strong roots in God's love. In at number two, One Church students kicked off 603 night this past Wednesday, where middle and high schoolers came together for all-you-can-eat tacos, Nerf gun wars, new friendships, and life change. And there's many more to look forward to. Check out our student page at church.one slash students and high five to more times like these. And finally, up at number one, we're celebrating the many baptisms our Bedford Outpost has experienced recently. High five to Casey, Mason, Greg, and Melissa. Today, this kingdom-sized high five goes out to each of you. We're so excited for how God will continue to move in your lives. Thanks for joining us for our high five, and I can't wait to celebrate with you in the next one. Going to start off our time today with a quick confession. Confession that um, I'm, I'm, I'm easily duped by good marketing. Like anything at the grocery store that is marketed towards outdoor living or active living, or if it's grass fed or farm raised, whatever it might be like that, like I just, my eyes are drawn to it so much so that my wife no longer really allows me to go grocery shopping with her. Cause I'm immediately drawn like, Ooh, look grass fed. And she's like, it's five more bucks than this thing over here. I'm like, ah, but look at the packaging. And so I, I'm easily duped by this. I'm gravitated towards it, which is why I'm gravitated towards the marketing of cliff bars, right? You, you know, the packaging on a cliff bar, you got the rock climber there. And I look at it like, Oh, this guy looks active. I too would also, like to rock climb. So I'm going to buy cliff bars because they seem like the healthy outdoor options. But then I made the mistake of looking on the back of the wrapper and see, you know how much sugar is in just one of those bars? Like there aren't enough marathons in the world that I could run to work off that much sugar. It's, just, it's crazy. In that instance, my eyes were open. I had a new perspective. Everything I knew was turned on its head, this sort of turntables moment where I saw something differently. And in this series, turntables, we're looking at times where Jesus did that. Now, obviously, a little more so than just cliff bar marketing, obviously, but Jesus reveals new things to us, new items in our life, more truths. 
He reveals things in a new way to us so that we see things completely differently, these turntable moments. It could be the way that we uh, see relationships in our lives, maybe how we view ourselves, maybe even truths about God that we're seeing in a new light as well. And we have our memory verse for this series. It's Luke chapter 24, verse 45. And it says this, it's on the screen behind me, if you could please read it along with me. It says, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Opened up their minds so they could understand the scriptures. You know, God has prepared, preserved, and he presents the living word to us. The living word right there, like he, he's prepared it, he, he preserves it and presents. So that means that God, Jesus, is reading the word along with us. It's not like just like the secret decoder ring that we're given the Bible and then God's just like, oh, good luck. No, you see, we, we have sort of like this cheat sheet, but God is there along with us so that we could understand the scriptures. You see, he is opening up our minds. And with that being true, we get to read these words and say, all right, God, what are you showing me? What are you revealing to be true in all of this. And that's what we're looking at in this series. And remember, we have the sound effect, right? You got, you got wicka wicka, or you got eeko eeko, if you, if you like going about that way. But then I heard a joke, I get to, I work with the youth uh, down in our Concord outpost, and one of them told me a joke. They said, what's a DJ's favorite sauce? Anyone? Marinara? Right. <laughs> it's a funny thing that I'm excited that they share that with me. So you have all these different options. But anyway, in this series, we are looking at three different things. We have the wrong way, the right way, and then our turntable moment. And our wrong for tonight is I've got to get all that I can. The wrong. I got to get all that I can. We are in a stuff culture. We want more things. We want to have control there. We want to be masters of all these things and to feel that control. We just get more and more and more. We want control over more and more and more. And it's hard. We, I mean, we walk down the streets, and everywhere our eye looks, we're trying to be sold stuff. We drive on the highway. We see billboards. We turn on the radio. We hear ads. We turn on the TV. We see advertisements as well. I remember one commercial. I think it was around Christmas time. TJ Maxx. It said, this was the tagline at the end, the stuff you want when you want it for the price you want. The stuff you want when you want it for the price you want. I mean, talk about like a stuff-based culture, a consumerist mindset when that is being given to us, when that is presented to us. So we got that. We, we know that we're trying to gain all these things. We're trying to be masters, so let's dive in. We are in Luke chapter 12 today, starting in verse 13. And to give us a little context, Jesus is preaching to the crowds, to thousands of people, it says at the start of this chapter. And when we say Jesus, remember, it means God, Jesus being God incarnate. Jesus being God himself, God in the flesh, come down to earth to walk with us, to walk like us, to talk like us, to show us what it means to live a life of godliness so that we can then pursue godliness. So here's the creator of the heavens and the earth, set the earth into motion, and we're about to read that a guy interrupts him while he's talking. I don't want to give too much away. So here we are. We are in Luke chapter 12, verse 13. It says this. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, 
Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who anointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. So right here, Jesus is teaching, right? Creator of heaven and earth, we cover that. Set the whole earth into motion, we cover that. Then there's this guy. Who's this guy that's down there in the crowd like, yo, excuse me, Jesus. Yep, yep, creator of, oh, thank you. Yep, sorry, oh, don't want to, okay. Sorry to interrupt. Um, just had a quick question. Thank you for taking the time. Looks like you're a very busy person. Um, Jesus, tell my brother to give me my stuff. I want my stuff. Give me my stuff. I deserve my stuff. I want more stuff. Tell him to give it. Give me. I'm afraid it like that. It can sound a little bit ridiculous, but then I hold up a mirror maybe to what, what it's like when I talk to God, what my prayer life might be. And I, I look that I do have these, I have these requests that I want to get through, that I want to make sure that God knows he's got going on. Like I want him to be, to, to know about everything in my life, sort of present these requests, this checklist of things that I want, instead of going about it saying, God, what are you showing me? God, how are you opening up my mind to the scripture? To be more like you. Maybe we also do a good job of sort of disguising these sort of cosmic requests that we might throw out. Something like, yo, you know, God would be really good for the company if I were to get this promotion. Truly, you know that. It's better for everyone if this were to work out. God, if you could just make it so that I can have this conversation with this person, you know, like really showcase to them my worth, and that would really help. God, if you could have this person think differently of me, then it's going to all work out in the end. We start to sort of shroud our desire for these earthly possessions, these fortunes that we want to build up. But Jesus says life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. And he dives into this parable. And I even think right at the top of it, what strikes me about this guy is that he's not thankful at all. He immediately goes into stuff maintenance, stuff management. He's, he's yielded this huge crop, and he's like, oh, well, well what am I going to do about it? I know. I'll wreck my stuff to serve my stuff. That happens to us. We, have, we can get stuff upon stuff upon stuff. We're building up our houses. We're building up our closets. We're building up our cars. We have all these things. What are we to do? Well, in some cases, we can search out a storage unit then, too. Then we, don't have, we have a place to set aside this stuff that we don't want to live with, but I don't want to get rid of it. So we're allowing, and now the storage unit is stuff. You see how it all starts to really build up? This guy is sort of consumed by it. He's letting his stuff rule it because he's trying 
to create happiness for himself, trying to prolong life, maybe live a life that's a little bit easier. But what does God say to him? He says, you fool, so focus on storing up an abundance of possessions. We think our earthly possessions will give us a life of ease, but really what it's going to lead to is complacency, some self-sufficiency, self-reliance, and then a longing for what we might not have. We want to control. It's all based on control. What we want, what we, what we don't have. We want to be the masters of what is in our lives. We want to be masters of things around us, so we look for ways to control it. And often it can come out in sort of this stuff form, thinking that the next thing we buy might fix things. And I'm, I'm guilty of it too. I think I buy one thing and I'm already looking to the next thing. What's that going to be? Because I want to control. I want to be the master of it because I feel like what I have right in front of me isn't enough. I can control even more. So we got the wrong of I've got to get all that I can, but then what's our right? Our right is that God gives me all that I need. God gives me all that I need. And even that phrase is something, that's a turntable moment right there. That's something that, wow, if we really believe that, that's amazing. Maybe you grew up in church and, and you know, you sort of recite that in Sunday school, like, oh yeah, Jesus gives me all that I need. Maybe you're new to, to faith. You're new to this relationship with God and you hear that, and you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. And, but, you know, that, I'll believe that for a little bit. But when we pause and say it back, it's like, God gives me all that I need. Can you say that? God gives me all that I need. Not God gives me 90% of what I need and I got to rely on the 10%. I got to make that up. God, no, it's, it's all. It's everything. And we have a hard time maybe um, accepting that because it might be all that we need but it might always, you know, might not be all that we want. Because we might want a little more, but luckily God can change what we want. God can change what we want, because what do we truly want out of life? We want to enjoy life. That's why we're bringing in all this stuff. That's why we try to be masters of our own time and possessions, because we want to enjoy life. But the beautiful thing is that the more we are transformed by God, because Jesus is in the transformation business, the more that he is working in our hearts, transforming us to be more like him every single day, well then shortly we'll start to see that he's lining up our hearts with what he wants, because God is offering not just the opportunity to enjoy life, but to enjoy a new life. A life that we didn't even see coming. A life that is filled with joy and peace and love that is so endless that we can't even fathom it. A life that is filled with the beautiful family of God, this community that we can be welcomed into, this new life that doesn't really resemble anything else that we've known, but isn't that just something to celebrate? Something to take heart in? We want to enjoy life, and through Jesus, we get to enjoy a new life. And to continue on in Luke chapter 12, now in verse 22, Jesus continues on, and he says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. 
For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? You of little faith. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." We get worried pretty easily. This, this pursuit of stuff, this pursuit of control can lead to a lot of worry and lead to a lot of anxiety because it starts to be an identity piece for us. I need this certain thing so that I can be this type of person. And then we want us, then we not worry just like our own identity and how we might see ourselves, but then how might other people see us as well. If I don't have this thing, how am I going to be able to, how can that person respect me? If I don't have this thing, how am I going to be able to connect to that person? If I don't have this thing, how, am I, how is God going to be able to use me to connect to that person? If I don't have this thing, then how is God going to love me? Whoa. You can see it starts to spiral pretty quick. It might seem like a jump, but that identity piece where we want to be in control, it's a pretty slippery slope. Slope that's filled with a lot of worry. Slope that's filled with a lot of anxiety because we're just so focused on being in control. All tense, trying to hold everything together. But instead, what's so beautiful is that God offers, up, offers us the ability to worship him. In this passage, we see that we are faced with the option to either worry or worship. And the tricky thing is that if we let it, our worry will always dominate our worship. So a couple things that we can look at, a couple questions that we want to ask ourselves. Will I worry about clothes or worship the God who gave me my body? Might be a, a simple one, maybe that we've wrestled with for a long time. Maybe goes all the way back to when we were young, when we were kids. Maybe kids, you're feeling that right now. We want to wear the right stuff. We want to be accepted into certain friend groups. We want to be seen a certain way. So we spend a lot of time thinking about that. Maybe even at work, maybe at family gatherings, whatever it might be. We put a lot of time into how we present ourselves. But then I was also wondering, okay, do I worry? about what people are wearing. Meaning, when I see somebody, do I look at this outward appearance that might be in the room with me or that might be coming towards me and do I already start judging based on their outward appearance instead of seeing the individual that God has made them to be? 
Will we worry about food or worship the God who provides daily bread? Now, we are at a Sunday evening service, started at 6 o'clock, so right now all of you fall into two categories. Either you have yet to eat, and right now is about the time you're like, I'm getting pretty hungry. I'm starting to really feel it. All right, we're, we're, we're approaching 6.40. Okay, this, I'm, I'm ready for dinner now. Or you ate before, and the food's setting in, and you want to take a nap. Or what you ate is not sitting quite well. And it's either the creaky pews or something is kind of digesting right now. So we're, we're, we're constantly thinking about this. We're constantly thinking about food, when we're going to eat, what we're going to eat. Are we eating out or are we eating in? If we're eating in, do we have the stuff? Do I need to go buy the stuff? How long is it going to make? Who's going to make that? i got to wash the dishes afterwards. There's a lot of time that can be soaked up. Maybe that we don't even realize when it comes to these provisions. But God does says, Jesus does mention, your father knows about this. And the fact that we're all sitting here together means that God has provided for us, provided that daily bread. It might not always be what we have wanted, but it is what we need. And finally, will I, worship, will I worry about time or worship the God who is eternal? We're very time-sensitive people. We want control over our time. We worry about time, not enough time to do this, not enough time to go there, enough time to spend with that person do we ever slow down and worship the God who is eternal? Between here and, and our house in Bristol, I get to drive on 3A. And often I'm, I'm thinking about coming here, stuff that's happening at the outpost, or I'm thinking about going home and what I have to do when I get home. But then I pause and I look at how beautiful that stretch of road is. I mean, you got the pine trees there, you got the wetlands, you have the way that the sun is hitting the snow this time of year, the mountains in the distance, see, there's an eternal God that has created that so perfectly, so beautifully. Do we worry about time or do we worship the God who is eternal? See, if we focus on it, if we let it, we'll turn our worry that might dominate our worship, turn around so that our worship is in control of our worry. Now, how do, how do we go about doing that? It's a little bit easier said than done, but we can look at, okay, what is our response when we worry? Is our response to snowball? Is our response to sort of build things up? Or maybe it's like me, when you're faced with worry, when you're faced with anxiety, you want to fix it. You want to feel like you're in control there. You want to feel like you're at least doing something and work up more and more. But maybe instead, pause. Pause and take this posture of worship. Pause and give control to God and realize that the only possession that we need is the spirit that lives inside of us. The possession that matters the most is that we belong to him, to the eternal God. It takes a lot, but relinquishing that power to God opens up so much more when we are no longer focused on, on being our own masters, our own people that are in control of absolutely everything. Instead, relinquishing power to God, we get to experience true power. Our turntable for this evening is that true power is found in serving, not being served. Our worry can sort of make us do some crazy things. Maybe how we interact with the people around us. You see, when we talk about 
praying for one, we're connecting to God. We're giving that worship up to him, but then what's great is that we get to connect to people. And we get to connect to people by serving people, by loving people. Which is against the sort of I gotta get everything that I can mentality. Instead, it's putting people above ourselves. Love others the way that I have loved you, as Jesus tells us. And so to wrap up, we, we see this true power in Luke chapter 12, now in 35. Jesus says this, he continues, it's right after everything that he just said. It's one right into the next. He says, be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. Like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet. So that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. All right, being a servant, I don't see how I'm going to be able to get all that I, all that I can if I'm supposed to be a, a servant. No, so you see, I want to be in control. I want to be the master. And then wait, I'm, I'm just supposed to wait around? No, no, it's my time. It's my time right now. Like, Jesus, I'll give you everything in just a few, but first I want to take care of a couple things that I got going on. Jesus, do you mind? Could you give me a call when you get there? I don't really want to wait around for you right now. But I'm struck by the word immediately. Immediately, they are there at the door, ready to greet the master, eager eager waiting at the door because they know that what Jesus is bringing is so much more, that new life that he can grant us. That new life that is there because what even is crazier, what is mind-blowing is that they know that he is coming and then it says that he is gonna wait on them at the table. Recline at the table and serve them. Like, what? Like, we're serving. Now, now the God, yes, the same God that was preaching on the hillside that this guy interrupted, the creators of the heavens and the earth. What, he's going to come and he's going to wait on me? And then even when you think about the guy in the parable that just wanted the easy life, that just wanted to kick up his feet and enjoy, well, that's there, but it's, it's not through the pursuits of getting all that we can. No, it's being servants of God. It's being servants of, of his will, his mission here on earth. That's where we get to experience that true joy. That, that true joy, that is where we get to see that he gives us so much more beyond of what we might want, beyond of what we need, everything that just shatters our expectations. And you might be hung up on a couple things. You could be hung up on just the idea of like, no, I'm, I'm too far gone down that road where there's no way. I, I, I've been pursuing, I've been trying to be my own master for so long. Like, I, I can't find my way back to the door to wait for the master. There's no way that even when he came through the door, there's no way that he would want to set up the table for me and serve me. I'm, I'm way too far gone. No, it's too much. Like, I hear what you're saying, but there's no way. What I, what I was drawn back to is in verse 32. Do not be afraid, little flock, 
For your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. The kingdom. So much more than what's waiting on the doorstep in the next Amazon box or whatever it might be. The kingdom. The kingdom of heaven. The glory that we get to see, the glory that we get to experience, he is what? He's pleased to give me that? He's overjoyed to give me that? That's mind-blowing. Me? Me, the guy that's, that's trying to be my own master, trying to pursue my own wants, get all that I can, he's pleased to give me the kingdom? Yes. He comes in, he's there, he sees his servants waiting for him that immediately open the door and are overjoyed because they belong to him. The reason that they are able to belong to him is because of Jesus' death on the cross for our sins. We come to the table every week when we're together, we're reminded of this promise that he gives us. He gives his children, people waiting there eagerly. It's because of the death on the cross that we are able to exist, that he can be pleased to give us the kingdom. It says that on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. I am pleased to give this for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup. He said, this is my new covenant, my promise. In my blood, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Trying to be our own master, trying to control all the outcomes is tiring. And tonight, if you're here and you would like prayer through that, prayer to, to relinquish those strongholds, that pursuit, that tiring pursuit, because it's a daily struggle as well. As I mentioned, we're in a culture that we're working against to try to look to God every single day instead of trying to get all that we can. If you'd like prayer through that, prayer for anyone, prayer in any way, I'll be down here. John's there as well. We'd love to pray with you through that. But also, if you're here tonight and you're saying, wow, it sounds a lot nicer to be waiting at the door, to be a servant of the master when he comes back. And you want to be baptized into the family of God. We have the water right here. Happy to celebrate that. Happy to celebrate letting go of this pursuit of getting all that we can, and instead realizing that God gives us all that we need. Would you stand with me as we pray together? Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for this time together. Lord, this time to just have our minds transformed by your word, Lord the scripture that you have prepared, preserved, and presented to us. Lord, we ask for the ability to see that you fulfill our every need. And Lord, that in you, our heart's desires are met because you're transforming our hearts. 
heart that longs to be in community with you, community in this beautiful family as well. Lord, we ask that we are able to wait at the door for you. You are there ready to serve us so that we may go out and serve others. In your name we pray, amen.
Have a great night, my friends. Have a great night.